By request from Keith McCullough in the 680 CJB newsroom, it's Burton Cummings, your backyard. Not from the Burton Cummings Theater, but recorded at the Red Robinson Theater. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you on this Friday afternoon. Hi. Happy, happy self-imposed Slurpee Day. Yes, we need to thank our listener who sent us the Slurpee gift card. Uh, we went out and got ourselves some Slurpees. I'm I'm not adventurous with the Slurpees. I like a simple Coke or Pepsi Slurpee, but you are a bit more colorful. Yeah, but I'm one color, like it's grape. Okay. No mixing. No mixing. <laughs> not a swamp Slurpee guy? No, I don't like the swamp Slurpee. Uh, if you want to go, if you're a big fan of uh, Burton Cummings, True North and Burton Cummings announcing the fact that they have extended the naming rights for the historical theater. If you go to cgob.com, not that we, we want you to leave us, but if you'd like to see the announcement live streaming at cgob.com, it is available for you there. And we all have a special announcement uh, in about uh, 15 minutes time. Uh, that may or may not have anything to do with Burton Cummings. And in the meantime, we we have to do this now, and we're going to bring Matt Cardi in momentarily, but we need to do this now because, well, you know what, hang on a sec. Just for Matt. This week, every day, we have been giving away tickets to the Rondex Rotorama Car Show. Now, we've been kind of goofing off with the trivia, as we are wont to do, specifically trivia having to do with the word rod. Monday, for example, was Ramrod from Super Troopers. Tuesday was Rod and Todd from The Simpsons. Wednesday, also from The Simpsons with In Rod We Trust. Yesterday had to do with the late Rowdy Roddy Piper. It occurred to me, though, that... Uh, should probably pick a qu- at least one question that's specific to cars so, and hot rods <laughs> so car enthusiasts can go to the show. So, again, you need to be able to pick up these tickets by 4.30 today. So today's question actually has to do with the Dukes of Hazard. There's a good chance you know the name of the car in Dukes of Hazard, which was General Lee. But do you know what kind of car it is? I didn't know. I had to look it up. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. What kind of car is General Lee from the Dukes of Hazard? 204-780-6868. Greg, what is that song, by the way? It is actually... <laughs> you know, this changes the whole thing of the song now, right? It's like, who doesn't know the tune? What does it represent? It actually represents the first 12 notes of the American Civil War Dixie, which was adapted as the de facto national, quote-unquote, anthem of the Confederacy or the South. New versions (laughs) appeared at that time that more explicitly tied the song to the events of the Civil War. I wish I was in Dixie. Sounds like something like this. Oh, you've got it. Quiet. <laughs> I'll never hear that horn the same way again. I apologize to anyone I've ruined that for now. Yeah, bears the Confederate flag, of course, the General Lee does. I wish I was in Dixie. The first 12 notes of this song is what the horn plays. Okay. Yeah, so sorry about that. 204 780 What kind of car is General Lee? In the meantime, while Jeff Forte is fielding calls on that, we have a guest in studio with us. His name is Matt Cardi. He is a reporter for Global News. Matt, what are you here for? What are we talking about? We're talking about the Osborne Village. You guys ever try to park down there? Yep. It can be a challenge. It can be 
quite the challenge. So the, uh, a couple months ago, the city or a councillor, Jenny Gerbassi, uh, asked the city to, you know, figure out if we can do anything about all the loading zones in Osborne Village and maybe scale them back and create parking spots. So the report will go to the Standing Policy Committee on Infrastructure next week, and it does recommend coming uh, cutting back on some of those loading zones, which will free up dozens of more parking spots in the area. So I'm going to try and break it down. Uh, the options are either removal, reducing the hours of the loading zones, or the size, the physical size of the loading zones. And they've gone and done this study and they've determined uh, they can do that on many of these loading zones and it would create 35 parking spots during the day, 31 in the evening, and an additional five on Saturdays. So there's about 49 loading zones in the village that account for about 176 potential street spaces. Mm -hmm. So they've gone and determined that they can uh, get rid of some of these loading zones, reduce their size, reduce the hours of the loading zones, and create many, many more parking spots. I'm guessing this has been done in consultation with business in the Osborne Village? It has, because uh, I just got off the phone with the Osborne uh, Village Biz, and uh, they were, uh, I believe, a part of the study as well, and, and, and many of the businesses around there. They do have uh, some concerns, especially they, uh, the report recommends getting rid of a loading zone right at Osborne and River. Uh, and they say that a lot of businesses rely on that loading zone during the day and, and in the evenings and when it's available for, for loading. Uh, I'm sp- uh, specifically thinking of the uh, the cornerstone that's right mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Um, there really isn't another option for them to unload some of the products off the truck to get it into the restaurant. Uh, so they do have some concerns about some of the loading zones that are being eliminated because after that one, uh, or there's two right there at River and Osborne, uh, and if they get rid of both of them, they are concerned that some businesses might, it might be a tough time to get s- uh, some of the products off the trucks and into the businesses, but it will create some parking for the restaurants and the businesses in that direct area. It's so ironic that in the city of Winnipeg, where we have pockets of the city that are so popular, mm-hmm. where you can't find parking, and then you have, you know, downtown Winnipeg right. has come to that tipping point as well, right? Where the big argument is about parking. I, it's a good news, bad news story yeah, is what I'm getting yeah, at. The businesses were hoping to see this result, result in more people coming into those businesses, but like I said, tough time getting that product off the truck and into the uh, into the businesses, specifically restaurants who have food coming in every day, right? So, uh, and uh, can also tell you that they're going to look at the exchange district next. We announced yesterday that 1,200 more students and staff are going into the Red River College there with a new building in a couple of years. So that's going to create some tension. We we spoke with the exchange district biz and they said, yeah, you know what? Parking has been exploding lately and it's going to be a tough time to find some parking in that area. So another report is going to talk about that next week as well, uh, trying to figure out how to get some more parking into the exchange district biz because like Osborne, it's a tough time to find parking there as well. I guess you'll be gathering comment throughout the afternoon and working towards news at the top of the bottom of the hour on this stuff. For sure. Thanks, Matt Cardi. Thank you. Global News reporter Matt Cardi, thank you very much. Indeed, uh, it is, it's hard to find a parking spot in Osborne Village. I, uh, I'm actually thankful that I'm in within walking distance because it's easier for me to take 20 minutes to walk there than it is to drive there and spend 20 minutes trying to find a parking spot. Ah, and that's what's supposed to make neighborhoods more livable, right? Mm. And once you get to that tipping point where businesses can survive without that extra parking and they can depend on residents in the area, that's that's a healthy neighborhood where you don't have to depend on outsiders to, to be busy. But I don't think a lot of those businesses would tell you that if they kept all the outsiders out 
they would remain healthy businesses. So there's a delicate balancing act to be done there for sure. And the loading zone thing, indeed, the one that he's pointing out, I know the spot. If they take that away, he's right. What is the alternative? How do they... Double parking is what ends up happening there. Yeah, and then you're going to have some problems with uh, business trying to fight for spots, people trying to fight for spots. You're going to have traffic problems. So it, uh, as you pointed out, it's a good news, bad news thing. Have to quickly congratulate Dave LaCroix, who is our winner of the Rotorama tickets, our final pair of tickets for Rotorama. He successfully answered the question, what kind of car is General Lee from the Dukes of Hazard? I didn't know what it is. I had to look it up. It is a Dodge Charger, specifically a 1969 Dodge Charger. Although Great I understand, year, by the way. I understand sometimes they used a repurpose, repurpose 68 Charger, but in this case, oh, that's those sneaky devils. 69 Dodge Charger. So, Dave, enjoy the Rondex Rotorama car show happening this weekend at East End Arena. Make sure you pick up your tickets by 4.30 today. Do you want to do it now or do we do it after we come back? We'll do it after we come back. We have something for you. We have an announcement to make after your forecast, which is up next. Brett McGarry, Greg Mackling, we have an announcement to make. Before we bring on Bob Irving from Blue Bomber Minicamp, we have an announcement to make. Do we have anything? I was watching a particular Go ahead. episode of... What are we listening to here? A little Burton Cummings. He likes to tell so stories before he goes on stage. And, of course, this afternoon here... On that phone call. This is live stream from our website, cjob.com. This is actually from a concert. Live performance. This is a song called... Bring it to them Thank you, Burton. <laughs> it's almost like you planned that. I did not. <laughs> Just got lucky, as you do every once in a while. Why, why are we playing Burton Cummings? In addition to the fact that True North and Burton Cummings have extended the naming agreement on the Burton Cummings Theatre, we have this announcement. Homegrown concert set for Friday, September 22nd. Tickets go on sale at $49.50 plus fees next Friday, May 5th at Ticketmaster. But you can win Beat the Box Office tickets on the news with Richard and Julie this afternoon and all of next week. So once again, Burton Cummings playing Friday, September 22nd. That's my birthday. At the Burton Cummings Theatre. You can tickets go on sale next Friday, but you can win tickets this afternoon on the news with Richard and Julie and all of next week on 680 CJOB. Fantastic. From one homegrown story to another. Winnipeg Blue Bombers wrapped up their two and a half day, I guess to be accurate, mini camp at IGF. And of course, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Bob Irving was there. Bob, did you see any diamonds in the rough? Well, the ones who don't make it, Greg, they'll obviously have to break it to them gently, right? Outstanding, Mr. Irving. You Thank are you. in the uh, King of Segway Club. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm a huge Burton Cummings fan, by the way, and I'm thrilled to hear that he's going to be performing in Winnipeg. I, I've often wondered why he doesn't come back here and do more concerts, but that's sensational. Anyway, back to the mini camp. Um, I can't tell, Greg, and I don't think the bomber coaches can either, if there were any diamonds in the rough uncovered, and they won't know that really until main camp when. These players, the ones that survived this camp, are pitted against the vets who come to main camp at the end of May. But I will say this, there was some very good-looking receivers and defensive backs 
I'll throw some names out. They'll mean nothing to people because <laughs> these are guys from small colleges who really don't have any great press clippings. Xavier Rush, T.J. Loader, Alex Chisholm, Ryan Lankford, T.J. Thorpe, Kieran Duncan. He was here for about a month last year. Uh, Stephen Burton. The receivers, they all, looked, they all looked good. They all looked fast. They caught the ball well. Now, of the 37 players in this camp, when you take away the quarterbacks and a couple of veteran linebackers, the remaining 30, uh, probably 12 to 14 of them will be released by this weekend. They won't make it. So that's close to half of the non-vets who, who were here the last three days who won't make it. But the ones who do will certainly come to training camp. A rookie camp starts May 24th, and then main camp on the 28th. They will come in, and they will press the veterans and push the veterans, and that's what it's all about. You're trying to find some players who are good enough that they can come to main training camp and actually challenge the incumbents. Training camp long enough, Bob? Well, if you ask the coach, <laughs> it's a no way. Uh, the, the coaches all uh, hate the, the shortness of the training camps in the Canadian Football League, but that's just the way it is, and they have to deal with it. They, they'll be in camp. The Bombers will be in camp for about eight or nine days, and then they have to play a preseason game. And, and the coaches would like at least two weeks of training camp before they, they play a game, but that's just not the way it is, and so they just have to deal with it. So, Bob, the uh, this just came in. Sorry, I sound, if I sound a little bit distracted, I just want to quickly mention this, that the Blue Bombers are hosting a flag football kickoff weekend for 1,000 youth at Investors Group Field. Uh, mm-hmm. Youth age 7 to 17 will take the field at various times from 9 a.m. through 8 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. Just wanted to, to get that mention in. You mentioned that rookie camp is next, and then after that it's training camp. So this mini camp, the, the, the guys who are there, they're not necessarily rookies, right? Well, pretty well all of them are, except for the quarterbacks, Brett, and one of the receivers who was signed as a free agent, Kenny Stafford, was here. He didn't do much. He mostly watched a couple of linebackers who were here last year. But uh, around 28 or 30 of them are are raw rookies, and uh, probably 12 to 14 of those won't make it, but the other ones will. And they'll be in rookie camp, which is May 24th, with uh, the players the Bombers draft and some other rookies that they've signed. They will have signed between now and then. And then uh, they'll advance to the to the main camp on the 28th. The quarterbacks all look good in this camp. Matt Nichols, uh, Dan Lefevre, Dom Davis, and even the newcomer Miles Carr. And they were bo- all excited to have this camp, knock some rust off, as as Nichols said. So I think the Bombers are in good shape at quarterback. But I go back to what I said at the beginning. As good as these guys look here, it'll everything will be harder for them in main camp because now you've got the proven veterans that you're competing against and not the novices that were here uh, and so the, the challenge gets steeper for these guys but I think they've identified some players who will come to camp and maybe you go back to diamond in the rough Greg maybe there's a two or three guys who make the team out of out of this mini camp and if they accomplish that then it's a success that's what these mini from these mini camps if you get two or three guys who make your team uh, you've hit a home run Hey, Bob, uh, last night was round one of the National Football League draft. Uh, round two uh, goes today and uh, the subsequent rounds uh, today or tomorrow. Uh, Jeff Gray did not go in the first round. We weren't expecting him to. Right. What happens for the Blue Bombers? When is CFL uh, college draft? And if Jeff Gray doesn't get picked in the NFL draft, do the Bombers grab him at number one? Well, the, the CFL draft, Greg, is May 7th. It's a week from Sunday. 
The Bombers have the first overall pick. They like Jeff Gray. Everybody likes Jeff Gray, the University of Manitoba O-lineman who's attracted so much NFL interest. I do not think the Bombers will take him with the first pick. The Bombers will take a player that they know they can sign and will be here this year. Uh, That's always been their approach unless they change it. A lot of these top-rated Canadians are either going to be drafted in the NFL or more likely signed as free agents. Mm. And so the chances are they won't be here. And I don't think the Bombers will take a chance on drafting a player who they don't think they can sign right away. Bob Irving. He's the voice of reason and the voice of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Bob, enjoy uh, the next couple of weeks because uh, you're going to be a busy gentleman for about uh, six and a half months straight, my friend. Well, these eyes will see a lot of uh, football players, and I hope none of them come undone, right? <laughs> On the fly, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only. There's a reason he's a Hall of Fame broadcaster, Bob Irving. Thanks, Bob. We'll see you soon. Okay, guys. Bob Irving with some Burton Cummings puns because once again if you are just tuning in we have announced that Burton Cummings is going to be performing on Friday September 22nd at the Burton Cummings Theater tickets on sale next Friday but you can win tickets this afternoon and all of next week on the news with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham up next uh, I'm you're I've, I've just learned that Greg has a fear People are going to be surprised. Oh, Mackling's scared of something. Well, no, it's a, this is a legitimate uh-huh. fear. I, I think of one Indiana Jones in a plane in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then later on, snakes. Why did it, Why have, did to it have to be snakes? We're going to have a serpent. There's going to be a real-life serpent in our studio after the news. We'll tell you why. After 133 on 680 CJOB. I'm frozen by fear here, so you might have to work all the buttons, McGarry. Okay. We're, we're falconing around in the uh, studio. This oh, afternoon. look at that. Yeah. The reason why Greg is scared, I did mention that we are going to have a serpent in the studio with us. I'm uneasy. I'm not scared. I'm uneasy. Oh, okay. Is that fair? That's a hey, that's an upgrade. Okay. You were scared. I know. Now I know. you're uneasy. Okay. Perhaps by the end of this you'll no, be I will not. Be moderately no. Tolerable? Maybe, okay. maybe, right. maybe. For, uh, the, our friends from the Wildlife Haven Rehabilitation Center are here. Their second annual open house fundraiser is happening this Sunday, as a matter of fact, from noon until 4 at the Trans-Canada Center in Ile-de-Chaine. Uh, admission is 10 bucks. Children 12 and under are free. And in studio with us, we have... Judy Robertson, Stuart Robertson, and Steve Loney from the Wildlife Haven Rehabilitation Center. And we also have... Cricket and Bruce, and that is the subject of your consternation. Bruce is uh, no fault of his own. Just you know, I can't hold his species against him. Is <laughs> uh, is the cause of my consternation. My brother once chased me down the street with a garter snake at two o'clock in the morning, and I just have never been able to get past that <laughs> ability to just you know hold something of my own. You know the snake. And just get used to it. And so I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Well, let's welcome our guests here. And Judy, we'll start with you. Uh, Well, before we talk about Bruce, you have Cricket on your... Oh, Cricket is flapping around. What is Cricket? Cricket is an American kestrel, which is the smallest of all the birds of prey and also the smallest falcon. She is beautiful. She's very pretty. I I just assumed she. It's a she? It is a she. Okay. A male would look a little bit different. The male would have slate blue like she has on her head on the the wings. 
And if you want to go to our Facebook page, we're streaming this live uh, Facebook live video. Cricket is absolutely adorable. She's been trying to impress us with some sort of dance here. Is that fair to say, Judy? Is she trying to she trying to impress us a little bit? Well, she's a diva, so of mm-hmm. course. Fantastic. <laughs> now, what did you call her? Um, she spent too much time with you. Well, tell us her story. Well, uh, Cricket fell out of the nest when she was very young, and she... The people who found her kept her for about a week before they brought her to us. And in that time, she imprinted on them. That's the word I was looking for. So she now has no fear of humans. She thinks she is one. So we can't release her because she, if she can't find food, she'll just attack a human because there's no fear. Looking for the food that they usually give her. What would she eat? Crickets. (laughs) (laughs) So is that how the, the name ended up? Yes, yeah. that's one of their you, one of their. You are what you eat, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Crickets, mice, small birds, uh, grasshoppers. Now you're wearing a glove. What kind of glove are you wearing to make it so that cricket can sit on your hand? This is part of falconry. So this is a, actually, this is more a, a suede glove because she's a small bird and she'll slide off a smooth glove. Sorry. Papers are flying. <laughs> it's unreal. Um, Her little wings are so powerful. She's oh easily a two feet away from me. When she flapped her wings, she moved the paper like they were absolutely nothing here. It created a quite a windstorm. Very very impressive. She's um she's actually a very large bird in a small body, so she has a lot of attitude. But if you look really closely at the beak, yes, you can see that there's a dip that comes down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like in the top of it, on the bottom of it, on the bottom. Oh yes, I see that now. Yep, well, that's called a falcon's tooth. Okay. Oh, and that's used to kill to snap the spine of the prey that okay. she catches. Very polite. Imagine if Cyril Sneer from the Raccoons had a sharp <laughs> nose. Uh, if you remember that. Uh, so Stuart, you have someone with you who is the source of Greg's uneasiness. Uh, yes. Tell us about Bruce. This is Bruce. He is a Western hognose snake. And we've had Bruce for a number of years. He actually came out of the pet trade. So these guys would normally be found in Spruce Woods Provincial Park over in the Sandylands. If you went and dug around in the sand, you would be able to find them. Apparently, they used to be very prolific in the sand dunes. If you used to go out when most of us would not have been around for that time. But back in the day with a lot of the older folks, you would have been able to find them in the desert. And the dunes are disappearing. So these guys are considered a threatened species. And because of their calm demeanor, they're actually in the pet trade because unlike the garter snakes, which everyone knows and loves so much that they run away from them, these guys are very calm. I mean, if I went and put him in somebody's hands, then he would just sit there and try to warm up on them. Like Greg's hands. No. How about mine? Judy. 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 I I would like to to hold uh, Bruce at some point. Can we do it right now? Bring him right over. Okay, Okay, so so Brett's Brett's going to... Hold uh, Bruce. Okay. How long would Bruce be, Stuart? Is he about eighteen inches long? Maybe oh, stretched out. That long. No, maybe a. Oh, a oh yeah. Okay, so I, I'm trying not to get too close to Greg. Like, is it's okay? Do it's you, okay. It's okay. If I, I'm, what I'm yeah, doing no, right now is too, I'm reaching that's, it. That's too close. So I'm about that's four my, feet away. You're in my comfort zone. Is your heart now. actually no. racing a little bit? Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. not trying to mess with you, by the way. I'm just it's okay. That, that, that's that's good radio. No, of course, of course. So the tell us about this uh, fundraiser. Uh, well, you know, we haven't talked to uh, Steve yet. 
Steve. Okay. So, Steve not a problem. Not a problem. <laughs> so uh, our second annual fundraiser presented by Everaz North America is coming up Sunday from 12 to 4 at the Trans-Canada Centre in Ile de Chaine. And the purpose of this is to give some behind-the-scenes tours of the Wildlife Hospital, the construction site of our future home. And this only happens once a year. So it's kind of a special day. And just trying to raise money to help complete that capital campaign but uh, also to help uh, rescue, rehabilitate, and release wildlife back into the wild. Now, these are obviously just two of the animals uh, that you're caring for right now. What other kind of animals have you got, uh, Steve? So these particular animals are part of our ambassador program, so they're not patients. Uh, Some of them have come in as patients and been deemed non-releasable, but because of their temperament, uh, we've been able to put them and have them trained in the education program. So these particular ambassadors will go and visit visit schools, uh, personal care homes, community events. Uh, But Wildlife Haven has a variety of different animals in care. And the reason we're able to do the open house right now is it's not as busy as it will be in a few weeks as baby season gets underway. So this is the one time that we can safely have people through our facilities uh, and um, see behind the scenes at Wildlife Haven. Obviously, rehabilitation work is fantastic, and, and I applaud you for doing it. Give us a, some insight as to what that looks like uh, with with uh, our friend Cricket. She's become a new word that I've just learned, imprinted, So, which means uh, she's no good in the wild, right? By yeah. releasing her, you would basically be killing her for right. uh, other terminology uh, that might be better, but that's exactly what would happen. Uh, talk about rehabilitation in its purest sense. Sure. So in general, uh, one of the things that we like to tell people uh, just from a public awareness point of view is um, if, if you come across uh, wildlife in the wild, if you care, leave it there. Don't inadvertently pick up wildlife. Give us a call at the center. We can help you give you advice so that you don't inadvertently kidnap wildlife. Sometimes that happens. So in its purest form, someone brings us an injured or stressed animal. It'll be assessed by our animal care team. It'll go through different stages of care, and it'll slowly work its way out the door back into the wild. So one of the last steps in uh, rehabilitation is it goes into a pre-release enclosure. A raptor, for example, would go through flight conditioning. We'd actually have a volunteer chase it back and forth in a flyway. Right now we're in an old dairy barn. It's a very glamorous job. And then once the uh, patient has been assessed by the animal care team and deemed releasable, uh, we'll do a release typically as close to where we found it if possible. If not, we'll work with the wildlife branch at sustainability to find a suitable location. You mentioned something called baby season. Can you elaborate on that? What is baby season? Baby season is, uh, it starts shortly. Right now is woodpecker season. All the woodpeckers are migrating in and they hit windows. So we had, I think the other day, five yellow-bellied sapsuckers in care and one northern flicker. So they're all woodpeckers. And shortly after that, we will be getting baby squirrels. Um, They fall out of the nest. People find them. The mother gets run over. Um, People will bring them in. Last year we had quite a... They start with gray squirrels, and then the reds come, and then sometimes we have fox squirrels, flying squirrels, then the ground squirrels come in. So we had, last year, we got a litter of 13-line ground squirrels. Have you ever seen those? No, they must be adorable. I'm guessing they're adorable. They are. They do actually have 13 lines across the back, and they're little (laughs) tiny squirrels. They're cute. Oh, hello, Cricket. (laughs) 
Oh, wow. She makes noise. Oh. <laughs> she wants to say hello. She wants to get free. <laughs> uh, and why And why wouldn't she? This, when you release these animals, you must come. I mean, I can see how attached you are to her. And that's got to be tough to... To send them off no. sometimes, no? It's a beautiful thing. Explain. And I I was set you up for that one well, a little bit. Well, they never say thank you on the way out. Yeah, they're very ungrateful. So, But to see them go and to know they can manage, that's all you need. Uh, it's pure love is what it is when, you know, the old saying, if you love something, set it free. And, and I think there's, a, obviously, you live by that. Well, what have you got here? We have a first edition of our book. Now, this is the... It's translated into French, and I'm giving you the very first copy. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. And uh, Brett? La, it's what does la, it say la en anglais? dans ta cour arrière. Unfortunately, I can't remember. <laughs> my French is brutal, Judy? and I can't remember what this <laughs> Any means. Any luck? Not me. I think you, I think <laughs> Stuart? You, <no>. Steve? <laughs> well, well just the English to, one is wildlife in your backyard, so I'll just take a stab let's at it. Do it so, that. Yeah, let's that, do that. That works for me. We're going to continue our conversation with our friends from the Wildlife Haven Rehabilitation Centre. We have Judy Robertson, Stuart Robertson, and Steve Loney, as well as Cricket, who is, once again, what kind of bird, Judy? American kestrel. And we have Bruce, who is what kind of snake? The Western hognose. And we're going to continue our chat after your forecast, which is coming up next. I'm Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling and our friends from the Wildlife Haven Rehabilitation Center. We have in studio with us Judy Robertson, Stuart Robertson, and Steve Loney. As well, we have Cricket and Bruce, and I should have written it down. I've already forgotten exactly what kind of... We have a, a bird and a snake. <laughs> I'm like the guy who says, what color is it? Ah, it's pink, or I don't know. So once again, Judy, just refresh our memory. That Walks is... Cricket is an American right kestrel. Cr- Cricket is, sorry, what was that? American kestrel. Okay. And Bruce is... Uh, Western hognose snake. And the reason why we're here today is the second He's annual open house snake. fundraiser is happening on Sunday. Sorry, Greg is having a side chat here. Uh, the second annual open house fundraiser at the Trans Canada Centre in Ildeshane. It's happening this Sunday from noon until four. Admission ten dollars. Children twelve and under are free. Now, Greg is, I believe, trying to muster the courage yeah. to touch the snake. Are you trying to hold yeah, the snake? I, I will not be holding. The okay, snake. that is a guarantee. Just feel the tail. So. Yeah. Greg is standing to my right. He is. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he touched the snake. I was not expecting it to feel like that. Yeah, it's, it, everyone expects it. It's kind of smooth. Mm-hmm. It's like a leather feel. So he's gently oh, now patting That's Bruce cool. with his finger. He's conquering a fear right now. This is therapy. Dr. Cyrus is coming in at 2 30, but I'm right now, Greg the, is I'm going to. Stuart's hand at the same time. <laughs> Stuart, you're a, a great. Uh, Okay. How do you feel, Greg? Still, somehow, I don't feel very brave, but I feel better. (laughs) I'm really shocked at how the snake feels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like a leather feel. Everyone always assumes it's like fish where it's going to be slimy. Right. And because it is a little bit shiny, and so, of course, it has that sheen to it. And I just, I don't know. I think it's just now the next step, obviously, will be holding it, but just feeling them breathing. You got to get over that anxiety. Yeah, Yeah. Of just. You know, you must have little kids that hold these things without any thought. But do you have people who conquer their fears? And We do, definitely. There's a lot of people that will come up and visit us. And there's people about the birds as well. Because you think about it and there's a lot of people that will have those fears and yep. the anxieties. And when we go into buildings, they'll be on the other side of the building. And you can tell they have the fear. And then they just gradually work themselves over it. Because 
their kids are already running up and they're still standing back there going, I just, I have to relax. (laughs) (laughs) How many animals are at the Wildlife Haven Center? How many animals as ambassadors? Um, Or animals? Yeah, how many are you taking care of? Um, We just released quite a few. Um, We had seven eagles over the winter. Seven eagles? Yes. Wow. You say you had. Well, we've released some now. The good news is um, we have a golden eagle, which is very rare for us, but uh, it's missing a few primary feathers, so we can't release it till we figure that challenge out. Um, what what role do the primary feathers? Primary feathers are the flight feathers that are in the arm. Okay. So there's four missing from one side, so that means they won't fly evenly. So when a bald eagle releases, loses one feather on one wing, he loses the same one on the other side. So they're always balanced. Okay, which, of course, makes sense, but they're, That's to imagine that they're... Mother nature. No kidding. I know. So awesome. is there a way to... I, I, I love yes. to use the word repair, but is there a way yes. to repair? Yes, there is. We've we we've learned that there's a falconry term called imping, and it's where they they actually glue the same flight feathers. So it's we're mm. missing primary two, three, four, and five. They We just need the golden eagle two, three, four, and five, and there is a falconer who will glue it in to the shaft, and that will allow it to fly properly with, without being off balance. And then when the feather's ready to shed, it will just shed that. That is that fascinating. It? So that would be a surgery, I'm guessing, or w- would the eagle be sedated or just held? Or? Um, it doesn't need to be. It could just be held. You just put a hood on them and, mm-hmm. uh, and it, somebody's holding it and they use some glue. So where do the eagles come from? I mean, I don't know. Where do eagles hang out in southern Manitoba? <laughs> well, they're from all... We actually take in wildlife from all over Manitoba. Over a million square kilometers is our territory. So we get them from as far north as Thompson, Gillum. We have partners in that help us, like Guardwine, Comair, Bearskin Air. They will transport them to us for free. And if it has to go back, they transport it back for free, which is fabulous. Now, obviously, you know, this is a really neat thing to do, right? Anybody that's ever seen a wildlife uh, conservation uh, video or a movie uh, goes, oh, yeah, that seems really cool. But this is critical work. Why is it so critical? Well, animals, wildlife doesn't understand man-made objects and I had a gentleman ask me, why do you do what you do? Why don't you let nature take its course? But it's not nature that they're running into. Uh, 95% of the patients we get are because they ran into a window, they got hit by a car, they ran into the wires somewhere. So, Or people kill them with kindness. They, they, they don't uh, watch first before they rescue them. Sometimes they don't need rescuing, and that's... You know, they'll phone for advice, but they don't want to listen because it's what you're telling them is not what they want to hear. So sometimes you have to really talk people into doing the right thing. Steve, is there a fundraising goal for this weekend? Yeah, so last year we grossed $10,000. So uh, we think we can up that a little bit more this year. 
But really, Wildlife Haven, uh, you know, is really good at stretching a dollar eight ways. So we're just thankful for whatever we get. So people are encouraged to do- donate at whatever level they're comfortable with and just come out, out and get to know us and have fun. It's going to be a great family day. How do people find you, Steve? So uh, visit us on the web, wildlifehaven.ca. Uh, you can also check out the latest eagle release we did there at La Riviere. Uh, we had a few hundred people take that in. We had over 10,000 views on that video, and it was filmed in slow motion. So make sure you check that out. Fantastic. Cool. Steve Loney, Judy Robertson, and Stuart Robertson, as well as Cricket and Bruce. Uh, as I very elegantly put, a <laughs> uh, bird and a snake. <laughs> <laughs> One's a kestrel. I say. I got that. And uh, hognosed. Hognosed. Okay. And you can see we the video we had, uh, we did a Facebook Live video, so that should still be up on our Facebook page. And where's the Trans-Canada Centre in Ildeshane? So it's 1 Rivard Street in Ildeshane. It's the biggest building in Ildeshane, so it's right in on your approach 10 minutes south of Winnipeg. Fantastic. Thanks, Second you guys. annual open house fundraiser this Sunday, noon to 4, Trans-Canada Centre, Ildeshane, Manitoba. It is 157. Up next, we're going to make a new friend from Black Caviar Productions. This is 680 CJOB. Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling on 680 CJOB. Greg, you know those Red River College billboards? I sure do. It's amazing how many people I know that are on those billboards. Yeah, it's the, the VIP grad uh, billboard campaign. They've been doing it for years now where they showcase their alumni who have gone on to success. In fact, a couple of members of the Global News team are featured this year. Heather Steele, co-anchor of the Evening News on mm-hmm. Global Television. Her billboard is on South Osborne by Rathgar. And Eva Kovacs, who is Global News community producer, hers is on Notre Dame at Tecumseh. And, hey, Red River, if you're listening, I'm an RRC grad, class of 2004. <laughs> You've been lobbying for one of those billboards <laughs> since I met you. Creative communications. I can see the billboard now. Brett McGarry, uncultured lout. Anyway, I'm out for a walk last week, and I'm walking up Osborne heading southbound. So I've passed Stradbrook, I've passed Wardlaw, and I've now passed Gertrude. And I look up to my right, and I see one of these billboards, and I think to myself, Hey, I know her. So I, th- I thought, why not bring her in? She's a young entrepreneur. She's a huge cheerleader for our great city. And her name is Elena Bilus. It just recurred to me. I don't know how to pronounce your name. And I, I should have ch- I should have done that beforehand. It was pretty close, Brett. It? It's Elena Billis. Billis. Yeah. Elena Billis is the owner of Black Caviar Productions. Thank you for coming in today. Thank uh, you for having me. So... Black Caviar Productions. Yes. What is that? What is that? That is a production company here in Winnipeg. And we support local businesses, artists, designers, charities, and events here in the city. So what led you to to start this? Um, when I was younger in my teens, I was running events here in the city for fun during my free time. And the events got so large as I got older, I decided to launch a company with two of my close girlfriends. You, you just did events as a teenager, just, just for fun? Just, just for fun, yeah. Um, and the last event that we closed when I was younger was for Gay Pride. So we took over one of the churches in Osborne Village. We ran a huge fashion show and had a bunch of drag queens in to do a performance in there, which is kind of out of the norm for churches to let us host that. So after that event was sold out for about 400 people, I decided to launch a company. I thought it was going to work out well. So what are the, I guess, some of the challenges that maybe that you've faced to get Black Caviar off the ground being a young entrepreneur in the city of Winnipeg? I didn't have any challenges launching because there was a calling for it here in the city. 
Um, the only challenge is making sure that we're aware of everyone who's new, who's coming into the industry. Um, I try to go to everything and go out to all the different schools um, and all the outlets that we have in the city to support those people. But if I don't know you and you don't know who I am, make sure you're reaching out to us so that we can have you in some type of event that we have in the city and that people know who you are. And it's ironic because uh, I've always been of the opinion uh, being first isn't always the best thing in terms of business. Uh, let somebody else figure out the pitfalls and and kind of master their craft somewhat. And then you can be better than the best at that point in time and, and come and do the things. The people around you, though, did they say, oh, really, do you want to do this? Aren't there aren't there lots of people already doing that? That's my favorite thing yeah. to hear from friends and family who are supposed to be supporting you in your entrepreneurial endeavors. And it can be one of the, in my opinion, one of the worst questions. Yeah. Um, I guess you always have to look at what your passions are and what your interests are. And my passion really drives me here in the city of Winnipeg. Um, supporting local is our main focus that we have for our company. We have so much talent here in the city, and a lot of people don't know about it. So Brett was making the comment, well, there's nothing to do in Winnipeg. Well, I wasn't making it, but what, what, what do people, <laughs> or when people are asking that? Yeah. And automatically my reaction is, well, you just are not going into the right outlets and you're not reading to know what is going on in our city because there's so much talent here. So you... Black Caviar is not, is that your primary uh, vocation or is that do you do something <laughs> um, else? I have a couple of things on the go. So during the day, I work for a property management company here in Winnipeg. It's called Shelter Canadian Properties Limited. Um, I was assisting with the wildfire last year in Fort Mac. And actually, that's how I met you, Brett, because I was doing leasing and working at Kiwanis Chateau downtown. It's a life lease building for those 55 or better, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Um, so I have that. Um, I just finished up some more schooling last year. And I'm just taking a break because I've been thrown into managing two buildings now. So I have that during the day. And then Black Caviar is my creative outlet in the evenings and on the weekends. So when do you sleep? There's no sleeping when you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> so the billboard, what did you take at Red River College? Um, so I did a couple courses through Red River. I started with business administration and I majored in accounting. And then after that, I did my payroll designation. So I was actually one of the first grads uh, going through that uh, program once and it was introduced over at Red River with Canadian Payroll Association. So that was kind of neat. And last year in the province, I was recognized as the top 10 female entrepreneurs. So that's why Red River reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in doing the billboard this year. You recognized as one of the top 10. Yeah. Really? Which was really nice. Yeah. So that's the reason why I'm up on the billboard in Osborne Village. Can you underestimate or understate the value of your accounting, of your business acumen in terms of staying organized and and really justifying your existence? Yeah, all my schooling that I've done, um, I've also done similar programs to Brett with the Creative Communications. I have a mix of a couple different industries, and all of that has helped me in my current job with Shelter and also with the company that I own. And if I didn't have that knowledge... I don't think that I would be where I am right now at such a young age. What's it like seeing yourself plastered on this big billboard <laughs> on one of the busiest streets in Winnipeg? Yeah, um, 
I'm really thankful for Red River for placing me in that spot because that's where a lot of our clientele are for Black Caviar because I said that we work with a lot of people in the exchange in Osborne Village and it's a little surreal. It's large. That's me life-size out there. Um, And it's one of the busiest corners in the city. You mentioned that uh, supporting local is important to you. Why is it so important to you? Um, Yeah, so small businesses deliver community character and economic advantages to the city that they are positioned in. But that also strengthens the partnerships along neighbors, residents, other small business owners, community leaders, and even schools by offering social and economic relationships. So you are a cheerleader for Winnipeg. I am, yes. Uh, why? <laughs> I mean, why? Just sometimes I try to, you try to make the, the questions complicated, yeah. but I just yeah. make it yeah, ask um, question. I know that people always say the negatives are mosquitoes and are hard winters, um, but Winnipeg is an amazing place to live in. There's tons of opportunities, especially since our city is a little bit smaller, and there's tons of talent here. And if you're using that in all your outlets, you can do really well and you have a really good network of people here in the city to build your career on. It's almost impossible to not get to meet the people you need to meet in this community. Everyone's connected. Right? And almost by accident, it almost feels like serendipity when it happens. It's like, yeah, you know, I was just talking about so-and-so. And And then you're at Mm -hmm. an event two nights later, there they are, and you can pick up a conversation. Yeah, I was just talking about you the other day, and boom, done. Like, people talk about six degrees of separation. Winnipeg, it's two or three at the very most. If you don't know the person that you want to meet, you know someone that knows that person. Yeah, friendly Manitoba. We're going to continue our conversation with Elena Billis. She is the owner of Black Caviar Productions. I brought her in here today because I saw her on one of those Red River College billboards. It's on Osborne, just south of Gertrude. So we're going to continue our chat uh, because she was at the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards. I wanted to ask her about that. So we'll get to that after your forecast, which is up next. Now, for the last uh, two weeks or so, you may have been tuning in to hear the sounder, to enter to win a bucket list trip, getaway to Predator Ridge in the Okanagan Valley. Well, we gave away that trip this morning at 7.15, and we've been telling you <laughs> since Norma Thiessen made uh, headlines by winning the U2 getaway to see U2 in Vancouver next weekend. That Mackling and McGarry is where listeners come to become winners. Guess what? <laughs> Donald Roy, our winner of the Okanagan Getaway, was listening and qualified whilst listening to... Mackling and McGarry. That's right. Mackling and McGarry, where listeners become winners. Congratulations, Donald. Enjoy that. The Okanagan bucket list flyaway to Predator Ridge. That sounds like fun. So in studio with us, we have Elena Billis. She is the owner of Black Caviar Productions. We invited her in because I just happened to be walking up Osborne and I saw her on one of those Red River College VIP grad billboards, and she's an acquaintance through work when I used to do remotes at Kiwanis Chateau. So we wanted to talk about her business, Black Caviar Productions, which is a production company that promotes local artists, designers, businesses, and charities in Winnipeg. You have a couple of events coming up, Elena. Uh, What's the first one? First one is going to be May 6th. That one's going to be hosted at Canadian Museum for Human Rights. And that one is Jamela which is a celebration of women in support of the Canadian Muslim Women's Institute. And Jamela is actually translated from Arabic, and it means beauty. So that evening, it's going to be a celebration of women, and we're going to be sharing in diversity, fashion, and food. How many people can attend? 
we don't have a capacity right now. We're filling the whole museum. Tickets are on Eventbrite if you're interested in attending the event, and they're $100 each. Is that a, Have you hosted events there before at the museum? I have, yes. Um, the last one was just for the hub, Winnipeg. We were launching uh, their new app that they have here in the city. Um, through that app, you can log on. It's for free. And that will let you know what's happening and trending for different events and things that are happening here in Winnipeg. And what's Pawspalooza? <gasps> That's my other event that I have, May 26th. And that one, I get to work with dogs. So that's going to be a dog fashion show. And that's <laughs> going to be in support of Darcy's Ark, which is a pet rescue here in Winnipeg. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Backstage dog... is chaos, but it's wonderful chaos. So take us <laughs> through the steps of that, a dog fashion show. Yeah. Um, I actually pull accessories and clothing for all these dogs. <laughs> um, their owners are going to come as well. And I'm going to put some clothing on them from different local companies here in Winnipeg. And then we're going to go raise some money on the runway. For are the dogs arc. traditionally high bidders in the non-silent auction <laughs> items or do they just go for the silent auction they, stuff? Uh, silent auctions and they come in for the treats backstage. Fantastic. Yeah. So that uh, will be at the RBC Convention Centre coming yes. up on the 26th of May. Sounds like a blast. Yeah. And those tickets as well, they're $50 each and those are on Eventbrite too. What do you, have you done this before? Yeah, this is our second annual event. Um Last year when we were doing it, we got, um, I guess, such a good response from the event that it's doubled in size. So that's why we're moving over to the convention center. What do you do when the dogs are not cooperating backstage? <laughs> not cooperating backstage. I go and play with them and just take a little time out and give them some water and some treats. I saw you with the uh, beautiful, uh, it's the, not the bull nose, is it? Snake, hog nose. Hog nose steak. You, you were very... Very gracious with it. <laughs> I was very impressed with how you how you handled handled it. Uh, would you pref- maybe you could do a I don't a know reptile? a reptile fashion show? I we don't can, know. We can definitely look into that for next year. <laughs> <laughs> don't call me. I won't be volunteering to help you out with that one. So I saw on the social media that you were at the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards, which didn't surprise me because you you mentioned that you go to so many events. You're a big part of uh, that scene. So how was that event? That event was wonderful. Um, I didn't get to see it from the audience side, though. Our team was actually producing the show for them that night. And then they also asked me to present one of the awards, which was really great. So I got to present um, the best fashion event for Winnipeg. And that was handed off to Panache Model Management. And that was a fundraiser for the Children's Hospital here in Winnipeg. Go ahead, Greg. No, I was just, uh, I, I marvel at the things that are done. In this town, and you mentioned it, and Brett, you know, uh, we joke about it all the time. If you can't find something to do here, you are certainly not looking. Do you go other places? Do you go to Toronto, to New York, L.A., and and see what's being done there? Yeah, I definitely do travel, and I take that into account. But anything that's being done at any other city can still be done here in Winnipeg. We have just as many resources and people and Winnipeggers are passionate about the city, and there's tons of volunteers, and everyone wants to just make sure that the city is thriving. And another question, quick one here, Brad. Mm-hmm. I know you've got a couple more. Just this, uh, you know, idea of finding the right venue. Are you finding more and unique venues all the time? I know mm-hmm. we used to plan meetings, and it'd be like, where are we going to go? We have people coming from out of town. It was like. Ten years ago, it was maybe an option of four or five places. Now, it seems as though people are getting really inventive with where they have different events. Yes, and with some of my clients, I get that luxury where I can 
go down into the exchange and take a rundown building or an old parkade and use that as my venue for You've an event. That? I have done that. Yeah. Fantastic. So um, it doesn't always have to be pretty and it doesn't always have to look nice. And there's tons of beautiful places in Winnipeg. Do you think that, you know, looking at something like the Nightlife Awards and all these various events, do you think that there is a changing attitude in Winnipeg? Because that was the attitude uh, when I was, I want to say, in the 90s, I used to hear it all the time. Ah, there's nothing to do in this city. But uh, it, I, I get the impression just from seeing what I see on Facebook or whatever that there really is sort of a changing attitude that is way more positive. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes, I would agree with that. I also feel like uh, my generation right now, it, there's a lot of entrepreneurs in our city. And if they're seeing a lack in a certain area or with a business, they're going and creating that business and opening that here in the city. For example, the exchange, we have tons of new companies that are opening up down there. Um, exchange Biz is helping with that and creating pop-up shops. Because those are all brand new entrepreneurs, and it's hard when you're first starting out. Your first two years are the most important. And if you can't make that, then your business is done. So they're assisting and helping with those people. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the exchange yesterday during the Red River College expansion announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the exchange biz said, you know, we can't accommodate all the businesses that want to come into this part of the city. Mm-hmm. And it's mind-blowing because I'm a lot older than you, Arlena, and I remember a time of going down and walking around the exchange, and all you could really do was imagine that one day maybe these buildings would come alive with business and people, and here we are in 2017, and essentially there's a waiting list to get storefronts, to get opportunities to open businesses in this part of the city. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. It's really nice to see in Winnipeg, too, because everything was sitting vacant for so long, and now we have people coming in and starting something fresh down there. Well, good on you. It's a really good community. Yeah, there really is, and good on you, and good on your your generation and the the entrepreneurial spirit. It it really feels like it's winning, and uh, you're at the the head of the class for that. that. That's fantastic. Elena, how do people get a hold of you in Black Caviar Productions? Um, my email is info at blackcaviarproductions.com. Um, we're located on all social media outlets right now, and our website's going to be live at the end of this summer. And Elena B- Billis, you can see her billboard on Osborne Southbound uh, just past Gertrude. I was walk- out for a walk the other day, looked up, saw her, and invited her in to tell us about Black Caviar Productions. Thanks for joining us. Elena and the news. Dr. Cyrus is coming up after the news on 680 CJOB. 2.34 Friday afternoon. The weekend is here. If it's not your weekend, I sincerely apologize. Maybe it's the beginning of your work week. We want to thank you very much for uh, working the odd shifts, the weekend shifts, the odd hours, frontline workers, retail workers, you name it. Uh, If you're working uh, when most people are not, we want to send out a genuine huge shout out to you today on this Friday afternoon. I'm Greg, he's Brett. And uh, I got to thank the people working the golf courses. Finally get to golf this weekend. LaSalle, Kingswood, here I come. Are you excited, Brett? Uh, Maybe a little bit. Maybe just a little bit. You know, after your revelation with our con- during our conversation with Carolyn yesterday uh-huh. about how you you know you you bemoan yourself, <laughs> you are self-deprecating on the golf course, and spend most of your time worrying about the bad shots. Yeah, I thought that maybe just maybe you might have had a little bit of a revelation overnight and realized that maybe golf isn't for you. <laughs>
It's a funny game that way. It's odd. We love to beat up ourselves, don't we? It's the pursuit of excellence. I'll never be excellent, but I I try. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And we always look forward to our visits with Dr. Cyrus Dirksen, psychologist with Dr. Cyrus Dirksen and Associates. Dr. Cyrus, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here, as always. The headline on this article we found... Femme fatale, sexy women sway men to do bad things. Dr. Is this si- supposed to be news <laughs> to anybody exactly? This is uh, this is just going to be things that everybody already knows. This is some reaffirmation <laughs> taking place yes, here. Exactly. <laughs> so, okay, this is the sub headline: Men are less moral after exposure to images of sexy women, according to research. Doctor Cyrus, what's going on here? Well, I did actually find that a little surprising that it would be so specific to being less moral in general. I mean, the research was looking actually at basically theft. Uh, So these people, I I believe if I read this correctly, were given too much money. And when they had been looking at uh, attractive uh, pictures of women, they uh, gave less money back than people who uh, weren't looking at attractive women. So they just became... um, Thieves, I guess, uh, in in when they were exposed to this attractive, uh, at, at these attractive faces. So, I mean, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I mean, often I think we do think of people behaving oddly, uh, you know, when when presented with you know attractive women. But this was a little different, kind of being stealing, basically. Is this a biochemical change? Uh, is it a psychological change? Is it a combination of the two? What's what's happening in our bodies that have us doing things that might be otherwise out of character for us? Well, I mean, these researchers were suggesting that, um, you know, since women judge men primarily or, or more significantly by resources, that, you know, the opportunity to engage in some kind of, you know, getting resources maybe... Uh, something that they were more willing to do, which I guess it makes some sense. There's a lot of research, though, on what men do in the presence of attractive women, and it affects men in a lot of different ways. And I thought maybe another thing that would kind of impact this was men generally just become riskier. They just become, um, they do risky, uh, sometimes dangerous things when women are watching. Uh, One that that I liked was uh, skateboarders. You know, they've had an attractive woman watching them do their routines, and all of a sudden... They were doing bigger routines, and they were doing dangerous routines. Well, and don't we just call that peacocking? Exactly. Yes, they were. But it's even for. It was funny. There was another one that was looking at chess players, and the chess players were doing more risky maneuvers what? in their chess. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. So, it's not just you know skateboarders or weightlifters or things like that. It's you know you go into the chess club and and you have an attractive woman there, and everybody's going to be going for the checkmate right away. I guess I don't know. <laughs> so, well, I guess we see Leonard do kind of. You don't watch Big Bang Theory. No, I don't. <laughs> Leonard does, you know, Leonard is, you know, gets to- turned inside out when... Uh, That's right. <laughs> Kaylee Coco, I don't know what her what her uh, character's name is. We'll get a dozen text messages. How do you not know uh, her name? But yeah, I mean, uh, these guys that are normally even keeled mm-hmm. and focused and intelligent mm-hmm. or whatever, not all of them. Sheldon is not bothered by no, beautiful women. Not, but the other bothered. three are completely fall over themselves in the presence well, of beautiful well, women. can't talk, right? In the pre- that, that's yeah. right. Raj has a thing that unless he's drinking alcohol... <laughs> He can't speak to he women. So speak. what's the deal yeah. with that? 
Well, that's something else, but I mean... <laughs> well, that's something else, That's, all that's right. another thing. Um, <laughs> that's an actual disorder? Or is yeah. that made up for the show? Is that you an know, actual thing? I, I, I mean, selective mutism is a real thing. Uh, I haven't run into selective mutism when women are around, though. That's not something that's actually come up in, in my practice, but uh, not that I deal with selective mutism a whole lot, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, We've really a, digressed. That's, a, that's another thing. Okay. But yes, they, they do get all over themselves and, and, and fumble and, and do things like that. And uh, it seems to happen. I mean, well, one of the big things that happens is men experience an increase in testosterone, it looks like, when they have... Uh, when they're presented with an attractive woman, and that seems to have lots of different effects on them, uh, you know, and one of the big ones is this risky behavior. They want to, you know, peacock, I guess you could say, and um, and it happens in, in lots of different ways. It can actually be dangerous. Uh, you know, these guys are, are attempting risky maneuvers on their skateboards, and uh, even when they were more off balance or when the trick wasn't going right, they were more likely to, you know, actually follow through with it and not abort and, uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, so they were more likely to get hurt. So it actually has a real effect. And then they measure their saliva afterwards. And, yeah, they were full of testosterone. So is this go. so like is this sort of tapping into something either primal or, or just strictly instinctual on a, just an animal level? We we see an attractive woman and, oh, we got to do got to do whatever we need to do to do get stupid stuff. <laughs> do stupid things. <laughs> I, I guess so. I, <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it's linked. It, it seems to be a very basic thing, uh, you know, for men. Um, when it also, it's kind of funny. It's linked with uh, with morphine, with the opioid system in our brain. So they took men and they uh, filled them with morphine, and when they did so, they were still, you know, spent longer looking at attractive women, you know, pictures when they were going through a deck of cards with pictures on them. They would spend longer on the attractive women. Uh, but then they actually gave them a, you know, a morphine, some men, a morphine suppressant. And when they were given a morphine suppressant, they just didn't care. And uh, so this is actually almost like a narcotic, it seems like, in our brain. Our response to attractive women is similar to that of a... We, we need our narcotic system, I guess, to be working in order for this whole thing to happen. So, so it's almost like that. So we're we trying to perpetuate that feeling to continue? I, well, it's a good feeling, I think, yeah. It's a good feeling. I mean, you could, I mean, one of the basic things that almost every researcher talks about when they get into this is kind of evolution, you know, and, and uh, these men are more, you know, um, physically based in terms of their attraction and, and it's a sign of health in order to be attractive. And so these men are, are trying to uh, be what these women are looking for. And uh, so, yeah, they're more, you know, physically oriented and because of evolution, because these women are apparently healthier, then there you go. They're, they're uh, affected, more so than women. Um, women aren't affected in the same way. Women don't uh, become risky when looking at men. However, both men and women are attracted, not attracted, are uh, become more focused and linger on uh, attractive women. And they think that that's because women are evaluating them as potentially competitors or, or things like that. So both men and women are kind of focused on attractive women um, and not so much on attractive men. Men get kind of uncomfortable when looking at men. So that's, that's another thing. Dr. Cyrus Dirksen is our guest every Friday at 2.30. Right now we're talking about an article. The headline is Femme Fatale, Sexy Women Sway Men to Do Bad Things. Men are less moral after exposure to images of sexy women. And as far as being less moral, does that tie into 
Uh, like you mentioned, that we, we, we tend to do riskier things. It's almost like a lack of, of control. So is mm-hmm. that why we become more dishonest because we lose control over our moral mm-hmm. compass? I think so. I think men just uh, generally lose a lot of their mental function, it seems, when they are, you know, faced with these attractive women. And I think, uh, you know, when, when you're thinking about, you know, you know selling uh, products or marketing and they're using these attractive women to sell these things, it's part of it seems to be that they just don't think as clearly, you know, when they're faced with these pictures. So they're more likely to make an, you know, you, you always think, well, now, you know, this car brand is going to be associated with attractive women. So then men are going to like the car more. Well, it's a little probably more like I saw an attractive woman. So now I can't really think as clearly when I'm making this buying decision. And that's probably more a little bit what's happening. You know, you watch commercials for the National Football League and the NBA in particular, uh, sports that have cheerleaders, and they will just intersperse just a little bit, right? The slow motion and the dancing cheerleaders and then they go on to the football and they go on to the crowd shots and maybe if it's a 30 second commercial, there Mm -hmm. might only be like two or three seconds Mm -hmm. of cheerleaders but you know that's in there for a reason. You know they've figured out (laughs) what that that image is going to encourage and what it's going to do to your brain but this one just... Right out of the, the, the article here, given that, that dishonesty can serve as a low cost and convenient shortcut to acquire resources, power, status, and reputation, men with a hiding, uh, heightened mating motive may engage in dishonest behaviors to display preferred characteristics to women in order to promote mate attraction. Now, that's kind of exactly what we've been talking about, of course, mm-hmm. the heart of the conversation. But how do, how do we know what research do we have that <laughs> suggests that women are, in fact— attracted to these kind of men with power, status, and reputation. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it's generally, you know, more accepted women, uh, boy, I don't have the research off the top of my head, but uh, it is, it is something that, that seems to be uh, a factor. Uh, Women don't focus as much on the physical appearance of men. They focus on other things uh, more. And again, this comes back to evolution where, uh, women are generally, uh, well, this is how it goes, you know, this is the explanation that people give the theory is that, you know, women are generally more vulnerable, uh, you know, when they're pregnant or when they're child rearing. And so they're looking for somebody who can take care of them, uh, you know, when they are in that stage of life. And so women are a little more interested in men who can provide, not necessarily be on the cover of GQ, that kind of thing. They don't want no scrubs. <laughs> 245. Dr. Cyrus is our guest. We're going to continue our chat after your forecast, which is up next. Dr. Cyrus, humming Mm -hmm. along to the KISS. Mm -hmm. Had no idea you remember the KISS Army, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen. Oh, dear. Honorary member. (laughs) We won't tell your mom, I promise. We're talking about the effect of beautiful women, images of beautiful women on the the mind, on the brain, of men. Mm-hmm. And during the break, we were talking about how femme fatale and, you know, these images within movies or advertisements mm-hmm. can cause you to do things that you normally wouldn't do right mm-hmm. down to being downright dishonest. Mm-hmm. What about when you're driving down the street? <laughs> you see well, a beautiful lady in a, in a, in a, in a lovely skirt outfit and mm-hmm. you cannot, you can't cannot help I hope to goodness Jackie's not listening right now you cannot <laughs> help but look right you can't help you can't you can't not look is what I'm trying to say 
Well, I, I mean, it's definitely a thing. And, you know, when we look at, uh, you know, so many different aspects of men's thinking, like their attention, their ability to pay attention, their they are more likely to drift into fantasy. Uh, they have more difficulty paying attention, uh, you know, when they have been looking at attractive pictures. And, you know, it probably would affect driving. I haven't seen the research yet um, on the effects of driving. Not sure how you'd do that. But uh, uh, Brett is volunteering to, <laughs> to, to help you figure it out. <laughs> well, I just got to tell uh, quickly tell a funny story about this. <laughs> And I it, knew it. <laughs> well, it, I, I'm actually throwing my throwing a friend under the bus on this. My buddy Keith, the RZA, when we were like 16 years old, we're driving up. Uh, we just turned on McMeans off of Hoka in Transcona, and the road kind of. It, 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 I don't want to say curves, but it, it uh, kind of goes on an angle. So you're driving straight at first, and then it sort of angles off. So he's. We see this. This good-looking dame walking up the street, and the next thing I know, we're on the curb. Like, <laughs> like he has driven on the boulevard because his he was you know looking behind him instead of in front of him, and he oh, went dear. right over the curb onto the boulevard. So th- this is this is this is genetic. <laughs> like, just please. Dr. Sires, yes. help us out here. We're not, we're not louts. We're not <laughs> uh, intentionally disrespecting women. There mm-hmm. is something in our brain that that has us attracted to this. Well, it was a, they did some research on kind of reward seeking behavior, and people who are more, uh, you know, uh, reward seeking or reward sensitive, you could say, probably have more trouble with this kind of thing. Are more likely to drive onto the boulevard, and. Uh, believe it or not, if you are hungry, like physically hungry, have not eaten, you are more reward sensitive and you're more likely to have trouble with this kind of thing. So have an apple before you get behind the wheel, you know, because <laughs> you're no, more likely thought, to have some control. Now, Dr. Cyrus, I've heard the saying that, the you know, the quickest man way through to a man's heart is through his stomach. And that's so that if a man is fed, right. then all of his other appetites are at the forefront. Are you trying to mm, tell is, me that's not necessarily that, true? I'm, I'm saying that if you're... If you're not feeling good inside, you're more likely to be susceptible to, uh, yeah, to being tempted and uh, probably seeking other things to kind of make yourself feel good. So, Isn't that interesting? You know, it's, yeah, if you're, if you're, well, I guess that's the other thing. I mean, if you're trying to be attractive to a man, it's probably better to go and meet them before supper and not after supper, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's just it's maybe really that's why the grocery store is uh, purportedly a, a great way to and a yeah, great place to, to meet mm-hmm. to meet people. Mm, maybe we're onto something. Well, you here. know, I guess we're not all just talking about things we don't already know. So this this is one of those things that uh, that I never would have guessed that you that actually eating would help you with this a little bit. So we already have a solution to some degree. All right, we're learning together. I'm thinking, <laughs> Doctor Cyrus, you a Seinfeld fan? Oh, I was, yes. Okay, because I'm thinking of a certain chess match that Jerry Seinfeld had with himself. Do you recall? No. His brain was on one side and there was another <laughs> There was another part of his person I on the this, other side. I missed this episode. You're going to have to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the brain lost the battle to a certain okay. other part. So, I mean, Seinfeld summed it up perfectly, but is that a case where sometimes the brain is just simply overwhelmed by our, you know, our evolutionary imperative another yes. part of our bo- body is yes. in charge yes and we you know like we actually don't think as well we do worse on cognitive tasks and and you know when you're thinking about sexual decisions 
uh, people become more short-sighted. They are less likely to take the long-term view when uh, faced with an attractive woman. So, you know, this whole delayed reward kind of part of ourselves kind of also becomes impaired. And uh, so, I mean, when you put together, you know, you're, you're more risky, you're less moral, you're more impulsive, and you're not paying attention, and it's, and it's hitting your, like, the narcotic part of your brain... You can see where people sometimes don't make the best sexual decisions, mm-hmm. you know, when mm-hmm. they're faced with uh, an attractive woman. So I guess we in the two minutes that we have left here, that, that again, it has to do with sexy women swaying men to do bad things. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to sort of preemptively have a fajita? Before you go out, <laughs> uh, okay. Other than other than eating a fajita, is there, is there anything else that we can preemptively do to make sure that our moral compass stays on point, even if we are exposed to images or, you know, just meeting attractive women in person? Well, I mean, I think that uh, people are faced with all kinds of decision making, uh, and this can affect your decisions, um, and all kinds of decisions. So if you are uh, having to, you know, to think carefully and, um, and make important decisions, life decisions, financial decisions, uh, it's important to, I think, you know, be aware. One of the big things in psychology is being aware and realizing with some level of humility your humanity and how you're, you're not above your hormones and you are affected by these things. And I always get impressed when clients come in and I talk about these things and they say, oh, you know, that's interesting. I wonder how that's affecting me rather than kind of taking that approach where, well, all of my decisions are logical and, all, and I'm not affected by emotions. I'm not affected by, you know, the, the attractiveness of the person sitting across from me. And I think it's much healthier to kind of take a more, you know, humble approach to yourself and say, you know what, this is maybe something that's affecting me. Maybe I should just make the decision tomorrow and sleep on this. And I don't think you can go wrong with that kind of attitude um, and so awareness is generally the big thing that psychology talks about. So hopefully today will help you to, to, uh, be aware that sometimes you're maybe a little more impaired than you think. And Dark. I think that that's the value of the discussion. All joking aside mm-hmm. is the fact that we may be reminding some people to, you just got to be self-aware of self-aware. these things. That's right. Dr. Thanks, Cyrus Dirksen is a psychologist with Dr. Cyrus Dirksen and associates the website, drcyrus.com. All a life can be summed up in an episode of The Simpsons, Seinfeld, or Friends. Correct. And there are a couple of others, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm, etc. But those three stalwarts and those staples of the last 25 years really incorporate and encapsulate pop culture. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you on this Friday afternoon coming up to 308 Hope you're having a fantastic afternoon. Looks uh, gorgeous. I think the wind is still a little bit of a factor this afternoon, but we digress. going to be a gorgeous weekend, uh, so get out and enjoy it. Although some, Jeff Braun, may be sitting at home watching, uh, I don't know, Seinfeld (laughs) reruns and Seinfeld DVDs and, and whatnot. But, you know, you may know many of the episodes, but apparently... Unearthed have been some episodes that were never made. Yes, I've got a subscription to Entertainment Weekly, and this is a, this issue is from earlier this month. I'm a few weeks behind, but I'm reading this the other day as I'm eating my breakfast, and I stumbled upon they did a uh, whole issue of untold stories of Hollywood, and a lot of them include 
things that didn't happen on TV shows or whatever the case. And for Seinfeld, it's Seinfeld's lost storylines, the plots that you never saw. Oh, cool. So they talked to uh, former Seinfeld scribes David Mandel, who is now working on Veep, and Jeff Schaefer, who now works on Curb Your Enthusiasm. So they opened the vault and they share a few story ideas that never made it out of the writer's room. The first one is Frank Costanza goes to pot. Imagine this. They say, we went very far down the road with an idea that Frank was going to need medical marijuana for his cataracts. We thought the idea of Jerry Stiller on pot just seemed like comedy gold, but we heard that Sybil writers uh, had a similar story in the works, and it was enough to make us put the idea aside. We were really rigorous about not wanting to repeat things. That would have been sensational. I mean, everything he did in that role was stupendous. Frank Costanza, one of my favorite parts of that show. Let's uh, have a little bit of a listen. The rooster goes with the chicken. So who's having sex with the hen? (laughs) Talk about it another time. But you see my point here? You only hear of a hen, a rooster, and a chicken. Something's missing. Serenity now, serenity now. What is that? Doctor gave me a relaxation cassette. When my blood pressure gets too high, man on the tape tells me to say serenity now at the festival serenity now of course has become popular within our culture and of course festivus i know people who actually celebrate festivus so thank you frank costanza this is probably my favorite one here now the second one on the list there's someone you should meet who's that you say it's the prompter so they say that they pitched this idea actually a few times there was another comic, and she was a prompter. Jerry would be at lunch with her, and she would say, you know, I only had one bit that really killed. And then she would wait. So he'd have to go, which one? And then she says, the bowling thing. It only died one time, but that's because of who was there. So then he has to, again, say, who? So everyone knows someone like that who just makes you kind of drag it out of them. And they say that uh, Jerry was going to do an ad for an appliance store called Leapin' Larry's, and she was saying, if you're going to meet with Leapin' Larry, there's one thing you should really know about him. It was the fact that he had a prosthetic leg, but Jerry just ignored it. He didn't take the prompt. So it, because he didn't take the prompt, it ended up biting him in the butt. But I really enjoy this idea of the prompter because... There's, I don't have patience for that anymore. When my, when I have, a, I have one friend, and I'm not going to name this person, but I have a friend. Not so much the prompter, but it's very much a like a. Oh, guess what? And I what, Brett? And I don't do that. I, I just, I don't even take the bait anymore. I say, if you got something to tell me, just tell me, because <laughs> I don't have the patience. You'll never guess who I saw today. You're right. Guess what? You're right. I will not (laughs) guess. And not only can I not guess, I won't guess. I literally, the word fits here, not guess who you saw today. (laughs) 312 on 680 CJOB. We are going to have a look at traffic and weather. Spectacular forecast for the weekend. All up next on 680 CJOB. So either, and I'm, just let me set this up. Uh, Either one of our listeners came in to our conversation just at the right or wrong time Mm -hmm. for this text message or is hilarious and I need to meet them. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I was just ranting about how some people say, guess who I met today? Yep. 
I will not guess. Don't want to guess. You're right. I won't guess literally and figuratively. <laughs> and we get a text message. And all it says is, Keanu Reeves? Question mark. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. I'm going with the latter iteration and ideal in my mind that this person is incredibly smart and very funny. So thanks for that. It's 780-6868. And topical. He's shooting that movie right now. That's right. That movie called Siberia. Where is that being shot, by the way? Well, it's they a- were shooting out in Marquette, I know, for a few days. Yep. Uh, my friend uh, Alex Ponovic, who was on uh, with Shadow Davis yesterday morning, uh, was telling me they were doing a little more shooting here in Winnipeg before... Uh, he was uh, Alex was wrapping up. Uh, I think today actually, and heading back to Vancouver uh, on the weekend. So, got another text here from Sarah, who says, in response to you saying that everything in life can be related to Simpsons or Seinfeld, I work for Canada Post. The fiance asked me how my day was going, and I responded by sending a clip of Newman ranting about how the mail never stops. <laughs> Sarah, by the way, happy birthday! I know who you are. Enjoy your birthday. Dean said, and this was during our conversation with Dr. Cyrus, Mm -hmm. he found in his memory bank an episode of Seinfeld that pertained to our conversation about being distracted by beautiful women walking down the street. He says, this reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where the heiress to the O'Henry candy bar was walking down the street in a bra. Oh. <laughs> it was a shirt. as a bra. Can't do that. Kramer smashed into a light ball with uh, Jerry in the car. She was wearing a top as a bra. You can't do that. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> so the reason why we're talking about Seinfeld, Entertainment Weekly did this issue a few weeks back, and I just finally got around to reading it this week, Hollywood's Greatest Untold Stories. And... One of the things that they managed to uncover here, they talked to a couple of writers from Seinfeld, Seinfeld's Lost Storylines. And this one is interesting. They had an idea that Seinfeld would get a change of scenery, but nothing changes. The idea was that Jerry and the gang go on a vacation somewhere, say Mexico, and they would check into their hotel rooms, and Jerry would end up with a hotel room right across from Kramer's hotel room. So the hotel room dynamic would have been the same as the apartments. The entire episode would have taken place in Mexico, but everything would have been kind of the same. There would have been a Mexican diner that they sat in. They just thought taking the the building blocks of Seinfeld, the apartments across the hall, the coffee shop, and transporting that to Mexico would be fun. And when Jerry decided to end the show, the writers realized that there weren't going to be enough episodes to do it, and they were sad and wished they had another season. There's only one problem with that. Mm-hmm. Those guys, they, they didn't like going anywhere else. That's true. Right? I, well, you know what? And I say that Elaine did travel a little bit. And, of course, Jerry traveled for his shows. But the other characters never would have gone anywhere. You know. Kramer, uh, Kramer moved to L.A. Yeah. They had never that, mind. That. This is why we talk these things out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it would have worked. Maybe it would have been really good, actually. Yeah. The the, the move to L.A., that was, that was kind of a... A weird time yeah, for the show. I didn't like that one. I didn't leave that like that one at all. The next one, Kramer launches, and I, this is just great. It's like it's like wa- like watching new episodes of Seinfeld, or at least imagining them. Kramer launches a new business that would chill you to the bone, literally. Kramer was taking in this particular story, which is kind of morbid. Kramer was taking regular morgue quality skeletons refurbishing them and turning them into museum-quality skeletons for teaching hospitals. Oh, my God. So he'd get all the bones together, and he would buff them up. And at the same time, Jerry was doing appliance store ads for Leap and Larry's. 
And remember, Leap and Larry has a prosthetic leg. So in this story, Jerry's having trouble with his dishwasher because Kramer kept using it <laughs> to wash these bones. And eventually, Leap and Larry opens the dishwasher and there's this tibia. So it's a, a the bone of a leg in the dishwasher. It's kind of deranged. You know what just went through my mind here? If our reality is Seinfeld, mm-hmm. you know what you're doing here? You're, you know what you're reading the equivalent of on the air right now? These are like penthouse letters that you're reading. These are fantasy Seinfeld episodes <laughs> that never took place. That's true. That's what you're doing right now. Did they do a penthouse letters thing in the show? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I was trying to remember <laughs> Did they do this in the show? No, they didn't. <laughs> but that's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're. This is, this is like fantasy. There's one more, and this one's, this one's really weird. And they, it wasn't a, a story that they were sad to not do. I think the soup Nazi was almost a lot more literal than you think. They joked a whole bunch about an end scene that would take place in the jungles of Brazil, a la the boys from Brazil, where the soup Nazi would return to. The other Nazis, the actual former <laughs> Nazi war criminals with his soup recipes. <laughs> so they they say probably just as well that we didn't do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. What was um, Peterman? Where was Peterman in Thailand? Yes. When he was deranged and Elaine had to travel through the jungles of, or was it Burma? Oh, yes, that's right. Myanmar. Uh, formerly Burma. <laughs> So, so that that Mr. Peterman could sign that receipt yes. for that crappy rat, <laughs> and he's deranged. He's way out of it, and he goes, "This isn't the right hat." He comes around on it. Oh, that is just classic stuff. Three twenty-two on six eighty CJOB. Traffic, weather, sports, all up next. I'm Brett McGarry. He is Greg Mackling, and we're joined yes. by. Al Hello, boys. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Man? Good. Look at this. I got some vintage Power 97 wear. That yeah, is I, that. As I search my closet for things to wear now because, you know, I mean, I'm just wasting away. And this is, I don't even know what year this is from. You I'm sure. Go back to the 90s for I'm your sure stuff. when I got this, I couldn't wear it then. Yeah. And now I'm wearing it. That's so, awesome. There you go. Happy Kinda belated cool. birthday, by the way, buddy. Yes, thank you. Wednesday, right? Wednesday, very good. 49? Mm, yeah, I wish. Uh, <laughs> can I play? Actually, this sets up this audio nicely. Can I play something here for you? Okay. So okay. my lovely wife, Jackie, you guys know Jackie. We love Jackie. Yeah, she's great. She had a big day planned, and uh, so she took me out, and I want to play a little audio. We'll have the full deal on the show tomorrow, okay? So this is just a, a bit of a tease, but I wanted to play it because there's a an M&M, M&M reference here. Listen. All right, it's uh, Wednesday. It's my birthday. I'm 53. Are you 53? Yes. I was thinking you're 52. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm 53. Did Why does that change things for you now? She said that. Right. <laughs> that one year makes a difference. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Later, it'll be like I'm 23. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so anyhow, uh, Jackie's taking me somewhere. We're listening to Mackley and McGurry on CJOB. Listen. Uh, to our friend uh, Susan for her award. It just All right, so we're supporting the boys. Uh, <laughs> we're on our way to where? Where are we going? Hal Anderson weekends oh, on CJOB. Oh, you got a hooker too. Yes, I am. You got to wait and see uh, tomorrow, so you'll find out where. What it was just a fantastic day. I'm such a lucky guy. I'm so blessed to have the life I have and the wife I have, and 
it's just uh, it was really a nice day on Wednesday. So yeah, I'm getting old, but uh, it was a nice day, a nice any, way to celebrate the day. Is there anything more romantic than listening to Mackling and McGarry? Like, well, my <laughs> goodness, you really crank up the you, romance. What really worries me about that is she the one? She's the one that wanted you guys on. She's like, hey, do you mind if we turn Mackling and McGarry on and uh, turn the lights down low? Interesting. And it's your birthday, you know. <laughs> I think it's pronounced Menage. <laughs> She's into it. (laughs) All right. Very inappropriate. Uh, So anyhow, we've got lots coming up on the show tomorrow, including exactly what we did for my birthday. So make sure you listen in on that. Uh, Bob Irving is going to talk about this mini camp. I'm anxious. I heard him on with you guys, but I'm anxious to hear what he's going to have to tell me. Uh, Actually, you guys, you copy me a lot because I've got the wildlife uh, haven guys on tomorrow. We know great radio, uh, man. You do know great radio. And uh, a couple of people from Uber Photo, which is kind of cool. And Dr. Alan Grant, Dennis Dr. Alan Grant. I saw a sign the other day. And uh, it said sleep dentistry. And I thought, really? They're putting you to sleep now to get your dental work done? Now, I don't believe Dr. Alan Grant does sleep dentistry, but, you know, he advertises on the station, and I'm really good friends with him and his wife, Maggie. So I want to get him in and talk about that because do you remember Jack Scully? People out there will remember Jack Scully. He worked for MCA Records back in the day, of years ago. Of course I Jack remember Scully. Jack. He was on CT. He, he was in the diaper uh, on the— Dance uh, party. Yes. Jack Scully was great guy, was scared to death of the dentist. And a lot of people are. And so I'll talk to Dr. Alan Grant about that. And there's lots of new techniques, including sleep dentistry. If you want to just, you know, kind of pass out while they work on your teeth, I guess. I don't <laughs> know. Me up when we get I'm going to find out about it. So all that and much more tomorrow starting at 7 a.m. It's 7 Seven. Seven, Hal, not eight. And seven on seven. And seven on Sunday. And seven on Sunday. Yes. Yes. Well, you guys are enjoying your weekends off. I'll be working. Well, I'll be here too tomorrow. That's true. I'll be, yes, I'll be, be here yeah. Sunday. And that's true, yeah. Okay. You, <laughs> you want to take guys, it back? I, I don't understand what's going on here. You're one of the big stars. You're the stars on this uh, station. You know, you shouldn't be working weekend. What's that all about? Uh, I have expensive hobbies. <laughs> I, I have kids and a wife. Yes, so, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, you. I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand what mm-hmm. you're all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I need to. I need to money so that I can buy golf balls because I put so many of them in the LaSalle River. So. Yeah. So will you be out this weekend on the driving range? Is I'll, that where you're? I'll be, uh, I'll be hitting yeah. the course. I'll be yeah. going out to Kingswood on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Tea time, eleven oh six. I'm pumped. There man. you go. I'm so excited. Yeah. Too long. So. Nice. Excellent. Well, enjoy the weekend, boys. Thanks, Al. I'll be Always here. I'll hold down the time. fort while you're gone. Please do. Okay. All right. We trust you. Yep. Okay. Traffic and weather together coming up next. I'm Brett McGarry. He is Greg Mackling. Entering the room now, our friends from the news. From In the red corner. Oh, are you guys battling <laughs> oh. today? No. Julie's oh. ready for a fight. Mm. Julie Buckingham and Richard Cloutier no, no. have joined us. Richard, Hello there. Richard, can I thank you for the uh, sticky buns? Oh, right. Sticky bun Friday. That's right. Is that, a new, is that a new tradition? Hey, guess what next Friday is, Greg? Imperial Cookie Day Friday. You got to be kidding. Where are the Imperial Cookies coming from? You're bringing them next Friday. Oh, damn. I'll be sure to put that in my calendar right now. I don't know where you got them from the last time, but they were delicious. Oh, yes. That's right. I remembered because it was a big moment in my life. I love Imperial Cookies. What's an Imperial Cookie again? It's like a shortbread cookie. Made by Darth Vader. I mean. Like two shortbread cookies (laughs) with a raspberry or strawberry jam in between. A little bit of icing on top. A little bit of icing on top. They they are delightful. You can get them at the St. Herbert Farmer's Market. Mm. That's out my way, and there's a dealer there. <laughs> a dealer. Can I get That's your dealer's the, number? Yeah. 
Thanks. Well, it is kind of like crack. Like I said, it comes from the dark one. side. It I'm really is. Once you have from. one of those oh, imperial I remember, cookies. I remember Alma's Bakery. Can on, we cue uh, the Star Wars music now? <laughs> <laughs> so what's coming up on the news? Uh, a fun little conversation that I had with uh, Danielle Dubay of globalnews.ca and a couple of stories that were getting some traction going viral. One was why a mother told her young son he does not have to share. It's something we drill into our kids' heads. Share, 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 share. Sharing is caring. Hello. Hello. She says not always. And has a couple of reasons why kids should be allowed to say no when it comes to sharing. And also, it's wedding season, and so what one couple decided to do in lieu of asking for gifts. Oh, Are we going to be inspired or a little bit perturbed? No, totally inspired. <laughs> okay, okay, Totally good, inspired. Good. That's just after the Mike Conkin weather at 4.15. We'll be inspired, not perturbed, for once by Mike Conkin. Sorry. I'm trying to Maybe. think of the last Sorry. time you were inspired. Anyway, it's an inspiring forecast. It is an inspiring with, uh, forecast. With, with Conkin coming That's up. right. Uh, Burton Cummings. Yes. The Burt playing at the Burt. Yeah. Exciting day. Exciting news. I like the fact that he is committed to four concerts at the Burt over the next 15 years. That's what? part of his deal for the, the naming rights mm-hmm. in, in perpetuity. Is he 71 now? I no. think that's great planning, isn't it? <laughs> It is. He's not yeah. seventy-one. He's not. No. no, he's sixty-nine. We looked it oh, up. Well, sorry. We looked it up. <laughs> I was off hey, by two, a little. Two years makes a difference. Yeah, okay, I <laughs> But if he's playing the Burt yeah. at eighty-three, I think that would be really cool. Without question. Absolutely. Yeah. I, can I buy my tickets for that show now? <laughs> if you got a walker, you're are kind of <laughs> rocker. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> not bad. I'm Blue trying Jay. to think because I'll be in my sixties by then myself. So. And you guys have tickets to give away for we that, do. right? We yes. do. It's all coming up. Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. Thank you so much. The news from 4 until 7. Have a great weekend, you guys. Thanks for everything this week. Just uh, want to quickly... Wow. Just taking jabs as they're leaving the room. That's what I do. Ask who uh, <laughs> who ate the sticky buns. I only had half of one. McGarry gave you up his for Julie. Yep. I, uh, yeah. Did you did you enjoy the sticky bun? Julie? I did, and I thanked you and realized you weren't in the okay. room. <laughs> well, thank Richard for bringing them in. <laughs> Thanks, Richard, for bringing them in. Uh, last night, I'm at Safeway, uh, just the one over here in Madison Square, and I see a guy who I recognize, and I think, I think that's my grade eleven English teacher. So I I kind of thought, do I really want to go bother him? Yeah, I'm going to go bother him. It's like when you were in grade 11, you went, oh, there's my teacher. I should probably go. No, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Same same exact scenario, same exact response. Yeah, and I uh, so was, went to say hi to, well, even though he was my English teacher, he was mostly known as Monsieur Petco because we went to, I was in a French immersion at Collège Pierre Elliott Trudeau in Transcona. So I went over and I just kind of stood there and said, Larry Petco? And he looks at me, yeah. So I went over and I introduced myself, and of course he says, "Oh yeah, I remember you, you guys. You had a wild bunch of a class." And he started rattling off names, and and I realized, yeah, my my group was a troubling, like we were full of troublemakers. I wasn't one of them. I was a huge nerd. You clearly surprise. made an impression. Your group of friends and yourself. Yes, the class for of him 95. to remember. Like, how many years are we talking now? Is that twenty-two years? Yes. Yes. Ah. Oh, sorry, didn't mean to put it into mathematical <laughs> terms for you. I can't believe a that. real number. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, but it was funny because he says he's 40 days away from retirement. So congratulations, Monsieur Petko. And I said, as I was walking away, because he taught me English, but he was also my, my typing teacher, or as we called it, dactylographie, because everything was in French. And the look on his face, he just started shaking his head. I could tell when he was teaching us that class how much he hated it, you know? It was one of those, because it wasn't his primary thing. Sure. It was just one of those things where they said, oh, you got to do uh, typing as well. Mm-hmm. And I could tell that he hated it, and I, I, I respected him for not trying to hide it. It somehow endeared him to me more. Like, he, was, he was being genuine. Yeah. And you I like t- that. And I, I could tell that he was doing this because he had to. He was right. toughing through it. I guess I, he sort of taught me that sometimes you, you got to do things you don't like to do. So it ended up, his hatred <laughs> of the class ended up sort of teaching me a lesson. But it was funny. He said, oh, God, I, you know, I love Are you technology. outing him here? Are you outing him here? Oh, it's a funny. It's Are a you going to get story. him in trouble? No. Okay. I'm not okay. Get him in okay. Trouble. I'm just making sure. Trying to be the little conscience bird on your shoulder here right now. <laughs> no. Well, because with it, like the the typing class, we used actual typewriters because we had a, one computer room that had like Windows. 3.1 on it or whatever. But they were electric typewriters, I'm yeah, guessing. Electric at, type, at the yeah. very least. Yes, they were electric okay, typewriters. He says, you know, I love technology. They, the kids now, it's all Google school and I've got the smart board and, and everybody's got iPads and laptops and, and I love using technology, which made me wish that I could go back to school to be in one of his classes now. But he says, but to think that you know, back in the mid-90s, I'm teaching typing, and I'm sitting there with the... Because he had like this... I think it was a cowbell or something to to count Get out the, the rhythm. rhythm. Yeah. G, G, <laughs> G. <laughs> I, used to, I used to go home and drink myself to sleep. <laughs> so, Monsieur Petko, I'm sorry if I'm being too honest right now by sharing that story. Well, but you had to... You had to practice like getting like enough mechanical advantage to press down the different letters, right? Yep. It was it was a little bit of choreography going on there. Now it's a little bit different like if you're especially if you're using an iPad or a flat keyboard like you get on a laptop or your MacBook, right? The, yep. the, it's not as critical, but yeah, you had to actually be able to well, can I press that button down with my pinky? Yes, I <laughs> yes, I can do it. It was more difficult than learning to play guitar, I think. Well, it, now that you mention it, I my, we used to have an old typewriter, like a, a not a super old one, but old enough that it was like an old old fashioned typewriter. And I don't think I could do it because I learned to do it on you know electric typewriter on a laptop with you know these soft keys, but ones that required actual effort. It seems really cumbersome. I learned on an old-fashioned typewriter. What can I say? Good for you. A-S-D-F semicolon L-K-J. Mavis Beacon taught Space. me first to type, and then Larry <laughs> Petko. Uh, congratulations on retirement, Monsieur Petko, and thank you for listening to Mackling and McGarry. Jeff Fortier and Master Control, thank you, sir. Richard Cloutier, Julie Buckingham, coming up next on 680 CJOB.